0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Therapized. My name is Cassie Dennis, I'm a therapist, and this podcast is about what it's like to be in therapy. I will cut to the chase. This week we have my beautiful baby sister, Callie, joining us, and I am so excited. Enjoy. Yay, Callie! Callie's here. Say hi, Callie.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay. So, I'll I'll let you give an intro like all the other guests, even though I know you, but first, let's jump right into our icebreaker questions, okay? Okay. Okay. If you had a talk show and it was like really famous, you can get any guest you wanted, who would be your first guest?
1: Hmm. Julie Andrews. Let's go with the
0: queen. Good one. Okay. Would you rather be ten minutes late to everything or an hour early to everything?
1: Hour early. I hate being late. Oh, that's my girl. (laughs) That's my girl.
0: And the most important question, the one that will tell us all about your soul. What is your favorite milk substitute?
1: I would say coconut milk. Every time I get my free Starbucks reward, I get the, the special milk and put coconut milk in my $7 Ooh. drink. It's great.
0: Thank you, Kelly.
1: Will you please tell us a bit about who you are? Well, as she mentioned, I'm her sister. I'm her younger sister. Uh, I am the administrative assistant slash bookkeeper at a local nonprofit where I live i love it because i grew up in the program and i started officially working there when i was about 16. been working there ever since uh it's part of every part of my life and i just love what we do i graduated in december 2020 with my associates in accounting i have a service dog named cosette who is my whole world
0: she's very cute
1: and other than that, I'm pretty much a homebody, but I enjoy it. I'm very introverted and shy, and I just like hanging out with the dogs. It's fun.
0: Maybe we will post a picture of you with Cosette for to uh, advertise this, because everyone needs to see those are most your dog. of the
1: pictures of me anyway. That's a great
0: point. Well, Callie, you know the show is, uh, therapized, so tell us a little bit about your history with mental health, mental health treatment, whatever you're comfortable with.
1: Yeah, uh, I first discovered I had anxiety when I was about 16. Um, I'd had the feelings for a while then, but I'd never really talked about it, and one night I was talking to my mom, and, uh, just all these things kind of came out, and I was like... But that's normal, right? And she's like, no, no, that's not normal. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Like, oh, okay. And uh, so I started therapy when I was 16. Uh, We went to a Christian counselor that an acquaintance we worked with, uh, not worked with, we knew her, but she worked with this therapist. And so we went with this Christian counselor and it was not good. And I did not stay there long. And it took me a while to go back to another therapist, but once I did, I found someone I really like, and have been with for almost two years now. I see her about every two weeks. As open, and uh, I also have depression, and I can't really remember when that when I figured that out, but I remember seeing all these symptoms. I was like, oh yeah, I have that too, and which makes sense because anxiety and depression go a lot together, but don't have to go together. But, yeah. They're very good friends, so they, they
0: like to show up to the party together, but sometimes they travel in their own cars, you know? So you said you had not a great experience with your first uh, foray into therapy. Tell me a little bit about how that went.
1: Yeah, uh, like I said, I first went when I was 16, uh, I didn't have my driver's license yet, so my mom had to drive me, and she also sat in on the sessions because I've always been very close with mom and very comfortable with her, and I wanted her in there with me. Uh, within the first couple of sessions, the therapist didn't seem to approve of my closeness with mom and kind of judged it, which was uh, kind of the first red flag. Ooh, did she say that, or was it just like a It was vibe? just kind of undertones. Mm. Um but she ac- she encouraged Mom not to come to the sessions anymore, and so Mom didn't against kind of both our wishes, but as uh, she obliged uh and I also had Cosette, I got Cosette during that time, like right after I started therapy, I think, or right around that time, and we asked if we could bring her because we started training her for a service dog immediately and asked if we could bring her, and they said. No, without any really good reason, even though she makes me calm and happy and would make the whole experience better for me, but they didn't want her to come. So yet another red flag. After that, she started talking to me a lot about my spiritual life. And at that point in my life, I hadn't had a home church in about two years. We'd moved a couple times and hadn't found a good place for me. So my spiritual life was pretty shaky. And I was honest with her because I'm a very honest person and told her, you know, what I, what I felt. And she kind of pressured me to try more and pray more and read the Bible every day and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that wasn't where I was at the, in the time of my life. And she tried to push a lot on me at once, which I didn't really like either. So I felt judged because of my lack of religious life, and I'm pretty sure I cried very hard in, like, every session with her, which a good cry can be fine, but this was not a good cry. Uh, If if the crying
0: is mostly because you're being pushed real hard by your counselor, then,
1: you know, that's, like, something to note. (laughs) I actually got my driver's license during the time I was seeing her, so I started driving myself. And I remember one of them, I just had to sit in my car and finish crying because I could not drive. I was crying so hard. Oh, ooh. So, when the holiday break came, uh, we just kind of decided that I wouldn't go back to her.
0: You know, I think that's a great choice. <laughs> um, PSA to everybody if you hate seeing your therapist, you don't have to keep seeing you, your therapist. They are
1: not the <laughs> right one.
0: <laughs> You may hate your therapist every once in a while when they, like, hit the nail on a head with something you've been doing or self-sabotaging, but it shouldn't be, like, constant. (laughs) And shouldn't dread going. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. So, was it difficult for you to find the motivation to go and see another counselor after starting out with that really bad experience?
1: It was absolutely difficult. I didn't go back for over two years I didn't want to try it, I didn't want to think about it, that experience was scarring, and just magnified things I was already anxious about, or insecure, or feeling guilty about. And so I didn't want to go back, but I don't remember what the turning point was, but there was some point when I finally decided I was ready to try again. We got a recommendation from a close friend this time, much closer than the last acquaintance and uh i started at a pretty difficult time in my life uh so it was hard but good and i remember about a year later i was able to look back and like oh my gosh i'm such a different person than i was a year ago and different and better and it was really nice to think that because i i know uh I went through some pretty hard stuff, but mostly we work on taking pressures off myself and because I put so much pressure on myself simply because of societal norms. Nearly everything that makes me especially anxious are societal pressures that were never put on me by my family, but were simply put on me by myself. We talk about that a lot, and I know my family doesn't care if I do X, Y, or Z, but it doesn't matter. And that pretty much sums up my anxiety. <laughs> I have been able to do that a lot. I wouldn't say I'm going with the I'm a go with the flow person, but I'm much better at allowing things to happen in my own time, uh, because I am the only me, so no one else can do anything in my time. And mm-hmm. like I said, I go to therapy every about every two weeks. And unless she doesn't have an opening that week, then it's about every three weeks. And sometimes I don't really have much to talk about and nothing is really happening in my life. But it's so nice to have that. I love having someone to talk to where you can say absolutely anything and know that it won't be told to someone else. It's just really nice, even if you don't have super bad problems at the time.
0: So you semi-recently came out to us, your family, I am your family, about being asexual. And this was kind of a journey that you that you came to over the last few years. Is that something that you processed in therapy? Or if not in therapy, where where did you kind of find the resources to process that journey?
1: Uh, yes and no. Uh, it was almost a year ago at this point. But uh, I was talking with this guy I met and I was getting to know him and I asked what his stance was on LGBTQ people, because that's something that's very important to me, and a deal breaker if he didn't support them. And he told me that his sister is an asexual transgender person. I looked up asexual just to make sure I knew what it was, but I didn't really think much about it. A couple days after I jaked, which was not good, by the way... (laughs) I started thinking more about asexuality. I looked up more stories and what it meant and what people felt, and it really resonated with me. So basically, asexual means that you don't experience sexual attraction to either gender. That's all it means. We can still have sex, enjoy sex, marry someone else who enjoys sex, all these things. It's simply not experiencing sexual attraction. I kept thinking about it for a bit and talked, actually, to Cassie, to you, about it and about the possibility, and then my therapist. I, I think it was in that order. I think I talked to you before I talked to my therapist. But uh, I did talk to my therapist next, and uh, I think... It was either when I was—I know I told her when I had decided, but I couldn't—I can't remember if I talked about it when I was just considering it. But once I finally accepted myself as asexual and was able to take those pressures off myself, I felt so much better. Labels aren't for everyone, but it felt really good for me to be included in a category— to say that I am this, I feel this way, and I am not the only one, it was really nice for me. I worried about coming out to my family just because I was worried they wouldn't understand. I wasn't concerned about them accepting me, but I was worried what would come after that, like what sort of questions and that. Again, I had no reason to think this, and they of course took it very well when I did come out. I can't remember how long it took to tell them after I had accepted it, but it wasn't long. I believe it was less than two weeks. It actually came up naturally in a conversation with my best friend, so that was nice and easier, and it was very easy for her to accept it too. Uh, I decided that I didn't want to publicly come out on social media because it simply isn't anyone else's business. If someone were to ask me... Say it again for the people in the back. (laughs) It's not your business! (laughs) Uh, If someone were to ask me, I would tell them, but I decided it wasn't something I needed to shout from the rooftops. And that's just me. I completely support people who publicly come out and admire their confidence, but I do not have that confidence.
0: That is okay. Okay. It is okay not to put everything on social media, if that is your choice. I will put uh, endless pictures of my cat uh, all over social media. But not everyone feels the same.
1: You know, it's fine. I'll challenge your pictures of your cat with pictures of my dog.
0: Okay, deal.
1: I might raise you a dog or two. Ah, dang it.
0: I can raise you like a... There's an albino squirrel that lives in my neighborhood. (laughs) It's really cute. I can... We can take some pictures with that. I don't know. Is there a market for that? (laughs) Well, what kind of coping skills have you found really work for you for dealing with your
1: anxiety, dealing with your depression? I have a lot of little coping methods and not, not a lot of big things, I would say. Uh, there have definitely been some traditional things that haven't worked for me.
0: Ooh, tell me about those. Uh,
1: meditation, for one. That's something that like everyone thinks of that will cure anxiety. But uh, just a piece of advice, you can't cure anxiety. You it always have anxiety. True. Uh, and I admire those people that can focus enough to meditate. But I am not one of them. <laughs> I, I've even tried, like, the... The quick meditations, the prompted ones, I've tried several different ones and cannot focus long enough and do not enjoy it. So that is not for me. Uh, Cosette's a big deal for me. And um, I don't know if that counts as a coping method, but uh, she's a service dog for anxiety. And she is my whole world. I love her with my whole heart. And nights can be some of the worst times for me, anxiety, depression-wise. So if I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm feeling particularly anxious or sad or depressed because I will sleep on my bed and just touch, being able to touch her for her or have her lick my hand is just really helpful for me and can calm me down. And of course, she's there for the, the bigger moments too, the occasional panic attack, the meltdowns all of that she's there when I need her. And uh that's really nice for me. Music is another big one for me. I grew up in music and I say it runs in my blood. It runs deeply in the family's blood. We're all somewhat musical uh more than somewhat, I would guess. We are all musical. <laughs> Just not necessarily musicians. Uh, I didn't go into music because I just wanted to have fun with it and didn't want to take all the hard classes that come along with it, so I just... You
0: didn't want to take music theory and composition classes,
1: Callie? No. Not for fun? No. Oh, wow. I just wanted to do choir that and voice so lessons. so sane. <laughs> so... I've always been a singer and have found that singing will lower my heart rate or just make me happier.
0: What do you think of music therapy? Would you ever try music therapy?
1: I'm not super familiar with how it works, but Mm -hmm. um, I think it can make me feel it does make me feel better a mm-hmm. lot uh singing or uh listening to certain things I make a lot of playlists mm-hmm. for different kinds of moods I love making playlists
0: what does your counselor like work on with you is she more of a, like a sounding board for your own processing does she kind of bring in her own suggestions for like how to handle things or kind of treatment avenues what does that look like for you
1: yeah, uh I would say she mostly helps me just kind of get to stuff myself, like mm-hmm. helps me get there. Uh I've come up with I've come with some issues and she will be like, "Well, I mean, you're not the only one. Uh lots of people don't do this or don't do this." And so that's okay and you need to stop feeling guilty about that or feel pressured to do something or and so it's just a lot of self-reflection I guess
0: Mm -hmm. and you tried out virtual therapy in the beginning of the pandemic right uh
1: yes I'm actually still currently doing virtual therapy
0: oh I didn't know that my bad (laughs) well I am doing virtual therapy from the other end so I know how that feels but I would love to hear what it's like from the patient perspective
1: yeah, I've been doing it for quite a while now, uh, thanks COVID. Uh, when I first started, I wasn't as big a fan, but it started becoming more normal, and I didn't really see much difference. Uh, with few exceptions of bad connections or interruptions in my house, uh, there wasn't a real difference in being in person and online that I saw. Uh, I've come to enjoy virtual therapy because I can do it in the comfort of my own home, usually in my bed, and can be cuddled in a blanket, which if I want, which I have definitely done. (laughs) The only thing is worrying about being overheard, but it's not a significant problem in my house. Uh, Also, virtual therapy often costs less than in person, which is true for my insurance of the last year and my new insurance that I started at the beginning of this year. So I take advantage of that. I mean can cost less, then why not? I haven't had in-person therapy in about nine months because of COVID. But honestly, once we're safely able to go back, I will probably do a combination of Mm in-person and virtual. Okay. I like it. I love virtual
0: therapy. I think it's really helped with accessibility for a lot of people. And if you are in, like, an intensely anxious or depressive state when your meeting is coming up, like you can have a session with your therapist from the comfort of your bed. And she can like walk you through like getting up. Like, let's just, let's just spend this whole session, like getting out of bed.
1: Like We can do that together. <laughs> so she comes to recognize my room and, uh, Stuff. She's asked me about the pictures behind my head, and she knows when I'm in the living room, because it looks different than my room. <laughs> and Cosette's always on the bed with me. She goes to therapy when it's in person, too, but mm-hmm. she she and, enjoys the virtual better.
0: And this therapist accepts that you bring your dog to therapy, yes. huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right, baby? Crosette is here in the recording room with us, giving us really cute puppy dog eyes and very obviously wanting attention, but behaving so well. Yes, she is. He's a good girl. What would you think if, uh, if your therapist had, like, a therapy dog of her own that she had in sessions? I know some people do that.
1: Uh, I mean, I love dogs, and... I don't know how much it would help if I brought my own dog. Like, if the two together, I don't know what that would be like. Mm
0: Co-mingling. Because
1: Cosette basically is just on my lap. She's a small service dog, so she just stays on my lap. But I love the idea of therapy dogs. I love seeing pictures of them everywhere and seeing them in training. And I think that it's... Obviously, a proven way to help calm most people down. And I mean, I've always had dogs in my life, so we decided pretty quickly after we discovered I had anxiety that I should get a service dog because they always make me just so happy and calm me down. And I love having them.
0: Oh, and y'all went through an intense training process for this little angel as well. So you are a well-trained lady, aren't you, Kosi? Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank
1: you for having
0: me. Anything else you want to tell the people?
1: I really like having Cassie as a sister.
0: She's oh fun. my god. Mm-hmm.
1: It's more fun when she's home.
0: I blush. Stop it. Everybody help me convince Callie to come to Boston for her <laughs> 21st birthday. That's the goal. Okay, everybody, bye. <laughs>